Morning Liberty. Well, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Good Morning Liberty. See, I jumped the trigger right there on you, Nate. You did. You beat me this time. You had no options but just to listen to me do the intro. <laughs> so, uh, happy Thanksgiving week to everybody. This is going to be the last episode of the week for us, uh, unless you're going to do something tomorrow by yourself, Nate, because I'm not going to be here. I don't know. I haven't really decided whether or not I want to do that. It'll depend on whether or not there's any kind of news that I care about at that point in time. Who cares about the news? Why don't you just do some crazy libertarian philosophy? About how like the pilgrims almost starved to death because of socialism or something like that. Maybe read a book tomorrow. Just Just read a book. Read a book on on the the podcast. Live on the podcast. (laughs) That's not a bad idea. Get the video cameras and stuff. Actually keep my camera going so you'll notice my chair is empty. Yeah. And be like, Charlie, what do you have to say about this? (laughs) Just, (laughs) Just a chair. It'd be kind of funny, actually. I'll, I'll, I'll look into it. Even I'll if you did a 10-minute episode, I don't know. Yeah. It might be good for the listeners because what they expect is every single day. Okay. Except for major holidays, it, you know? True, true. But I'll be gone, um, which is sad. I know you guys are all sad about that because yeah. clearly I'm the face of the show. That's so, that's obvious. <laughs> yeah. You know I'm just kidding when I say things like that. I don't know. You well, seem upset you sometimes. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> no. no. I know. Um, I know. Tell the, tell the fine folks out there what they can do to get this podcast directly to their phone for free every single day. Well, folks, what you can do is subscribe to this show and tell your friends about subscribing to the show also. It's free. We, we're not charging you to subscribe to this, but you're using your your iPhone, whatever kind of app, maybe you're listening on Spotify, something like that. Maybe you're on our website right now and you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, this is the best podcast I've ever heard in my entire life. I don't ever want to miss an episode. So what you need to do is make sure you get on that app and you hit subscribe, follow, whatever it is, and you're going to get our new episodes automatically sent to your phone. You don't have to worry about it. Automate that stuff as soon as you possibly can. So yeah, go ahead and do that. Do it. That's what you should do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, For sure. Well, um, you know, we've got some news items today. We've got a few things and we wanted to run through... The Supreme Court story with tax with uh, Trump's tax returns. Um, we've got some stories, a couple things from uh, good good capitalism, and then uh, and then not so good capitalism. We'll talk about that, and then we've got a a little bit potentially about the death penalty or about the overall criminal justice system in the U.S. and whether or not you can trust the government to make that kind of call on something because we've seen them be wrong before. You know, if the government messes things up, then that applies to everything. So we, we want to talk a little bit about that later too. But first. But first, Charlie, take us take it, us out. In, in this, you know, in this spirit of Thanksgiving week, which is we're <laughs> all going to get fat here pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, I've been working on that all year long, by the way. Pre-Thanksgiving activities. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, so Thanksgiving, it's, it's a season of uh, thanks and giving. <laughs> those, and we put those together. Those two and major we made, things. We call it a holiday. Yeah. I do want to thank everybody that's been listening to the show. You guys have been giving us feedback, and uh, we've been seeing the numbers grow every single day. So it's really cool uh, to see that all, to see the, the, the vision come to fruition, yeah. if you will. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we had a cool phone call earlier today and, uh, they let us know, uh, how good the show is. And so <laughs> we get that kind of feedback every single day and that, that not only does it feed our, you know, our egos, which we so desperately need, we need those fed obviously. Yeah. Um, because we're, you know, we're desperate for attention. 
But <laughs> yeah. aside from that, uh, it is nice to hear those kind of comments. And, and we do what we do every single day because we believe uh, in these principles of liberty that we talk about on this show. And if so, if you're a first time listener, uh, thank you guys for listening. And then I want to mention, I mentioned this at, at the end of every podcast, but I want to mention at the beginning, if, uh, if you happen to be thankful, uh, there are ways that you can support this show. And so uh, it's a free show. As we mentioned, you can subscribe. You don't have to pay anything for it. But if you wanted to give a small donation towards the show, there's two ways that you can do that. The first way is by signing up at the bottom of every podcast that we released. You can sign up to support the show. There's a link there and you can give a, a monthly donation. The second thing you can do if you're like me and you want to get some bang for your buck then you can go to our shop at goodmorningliberty.us slash shop or gmlconnect.com. And that'll there's a icon there for our shop and you can get some cool swag for your uh, for your donation, yeah. your capitalist donation <laughs> to the free market. We bring you the show. You buy T-shirts. Everybody's happy. How about that? I like it. I, yeah. I hope someone chooses one of those two options. Either yes. one of those are, are good. So it's we would greatly appreciate it. It's for friendship. It is. It's and for Thanksgiving. Put, chip in a little bit, and uh, we'll keep doing the show. If you don't, then we're going to have to quit next week. So uh, <laughs> go ahead and do it. <laughs> How much do you actually like the show? <laughs> yeah. Let's see if it's valuable or not. All right. Okay. So the news. Charlie, are you going to do this first story? You want me, to, want me to grab it? Well, I'll do it. Go ahead. Let me do this one. Okay. All right. So this is coming out of USA Today. The Supreme Court temporarily blocks access to Trump's tax financial records while more legal papers are filed. So the Supreme Court on Monday ordered a continuing legal block on a powerful House committee's access to years of President Donald Trump's tax returns and financial records from his longtime accounting firm. Acting as presidential impeachment proceedings seemed to inch forward, the court blocked the effect of a recent federal appeals court ruling in favor of the House panel and told attorneys for the Republican president and Democrat-controlled House to file arguments on whether the nation's highest court should conduct a full review of the case. The decision gave Trump legal hope after lower courts ruled against him and left the Supreme Court as his last chance to shield his records from being examined. The high court said the stay of appeals court ruling should remain in place if the first of these additional legal arguments is submitted by December 5th. If Trump's request for full review is denied, the stay shall terminate automatically, the court said, opening the door to release of presidential financial records to the House committee. If the court agrees to hear Trump's case, the stay will remain in effect until the court issues a final ruling. This, to me, is just crazy. Yeah, honestly. it is. They've been trying to get these tax returns for a long time. Yeah, so it, it doesn't make any sense. The article goes on to say, responding to a Thursday filing from lawyers from the House of Representatives, how many, the House of Representatives, has they have their own lawyers? Yeah, and most of them are lawyers. And most of them are lawyers. <laughs> the lawyers have yeah. lawyers and, and lawyers. Yeah. And the Supreme Court is made up of lawyers. We're ruled by lawyers. Exactly. <laughs> lawyers. Yeah, so... Yeah. Man, you know, I always thought that if I was going to go back to school to do anything, it would be to practice law. Yeah. Because um, I'm a nerd like that. <laughs> um, maybe I could be the president's lawyer one day. Who knows? Uh, Trump's lawyers led by William Consovoy. What happened to Rudy Giuliani? He didn't um, want to take this one up. Said too much dumb stuff. I guess so. He urged yeah. the court to continue the legal stay that has so far blocked the panel's subpoena for the records. 
The court should grant the stay. This is a significant separation of powers clash between the president and the Congress. Consvoy, Consvoy argued in an emergency response filing that said the views of the dissenting judges in lower courts made a compelling case. Why review is warranted in the decision against Trump in those courts is unlikely to survive further review by the Supreme Court. So a couple things to me in this is that one, I don't understand how anyone could have access to your private information if you don't want them to have access to it. Yeah. yeah. Two, why do they want this? Is he suspected of committing a crime and this is a legal investigation? Well, I think the reason that they're making such a big deal out of it is the fact that uh, most people in public office, and especially people who are the president, are uh, willing to turn over their tax filing records. And so I think when they asked to see Trump's tax records, his tax returns, and he's refused to do that, now obviously there's a lot of speculation about what's going to be found in those tax returns. And the mm -hmm. more, and since he initially refused to do it, which most people who are president do not, uh, the more he's refused to do it, the more speculation there is about what's going to be found in it. The more this keeps going through court, the more he keeps trying to block it, the more people think that there definitely is something inside of his tax returns. So it just kind of has this big snowball effect to where now it, it literally the Supreme Court is having to weigh in on whether or not Trump has to turn over his tax returns. And like you said, uh, I don't think that a that any individual has to show the public their tax returns uh, at all. Now, it's that's a little bit convoluted by the fact that he is uh, holding the highest public office in the land. Mm -hmm. So the, do the rules for private individuals count at that point in time? Uh, I don't care what's in Trump's tax returns. Um, if he never has to show them, then that's totally fine with me. Uh, but I will agree. I think that there is something... To me, it's fairly obvious that there is something inside of these tax returns that he does not want anyone to see, or he would have turned it up, turned it over by now. Originally, ori originally, I'm just saying going all the way to the Supreme Court, I can't figure out if he's doing this really just based on privacy principle for individuals not having to show their tax returns. Uh, to me, now it's reached a point where... I kind of agree. There's probably something in there that he just doesn't want people to see. Maybe he never gives any money to charity. Maybe he's only worth a billion dollars when he told people he was worth ten billion. Um, you know, maybe there's maybe there's a lot of hush money paid around, which is what people are thinking is going to be the case. I don't know. Like I said, I don't care either. I don't care what's in it. If he was doing things to get out of paying taxes his entire life then good. I'm jealous. I wish I could do that too. I hope he got out of every single tax he could ever get out of. Teach and, me your ways. Yeah. Just teach me how to do that. Yes. I don't wish for him to be brought to be brought into the prison of taxation with me. I want to figure out how to get out like he did. Because taxation is a prison. Yeah. And we're all stuck in it together. And every once in a while you have these people who are lucky enough to find a way out and all the people that are stuck in the prison instead of being mad at the evil tyrannical prison guards are mad at the people who were able to escape. And uh, I think that a lot of that anger is pointed in the wrong direction, especially from people on the right and people who are libertarians tend to be very upset with people who find ways to get out of paying taxes 
And to me, that's just like a, that's like a ray of hope. That's like seeing someone become a billionaire or something. I'm like, yeah, I could do that too. When I see someone get out of paying taxes, I'm like, yeah, I could do that too someday. I wonder if he's fighting it up until I guess the election. Yeah, where it's probably. like, okay, after I get elected for a second term, just in case there's anything that my base might be upset about, I'll go ahead and release him then. Yeah. You know. In which, if there is something bad in it, he could be the first president to ever be impeached twice. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the rules are on that. I'm, I'm not sure if that's something you can do. I wonder, uh, did you see the vote on this? Was was there a vote um, by the Supreme Court? I did not, no. Okay. I did not. They we just, have another Supreme Court decision in here that we'll, uh, we'll talk about in a minute where just, I have a dissent included in there because I know you love the dissents. Now, and look, this is about releasing it to a committee on the House. Yeah. Of representatives, which, I mean, they probably already have it. The <laughs> intelligence community already has it. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, I'm sure. I mean, you file your taxes with the government. <laughs> That's true. And yeah. so those documents are on a folder somewhere. It seems like the IRS would have Trump's tax records there's in a, some kind of way. Someone system, in the government. Yeah, there's a system admin that's got that. Yeah. So... But anyway, you know, this reminds me of, uh, I guess, when like when you run for public office or you become famous or something, you you kind of maybe forget some ways that you did a few things that you thought maybe nobody would find out about. But now that you're under public scrutiny, there were some tweets from Joe Burrow, which who's the quarterback for LSU. Uh, he's 22 years old, become real that. famous. I saw this article where he had uh, when he was like 14, 15, 16, had some tweets about white boys and some other stuff, which I mean, I guess you could play context clues or maybe get some kind of, you can infer that there may be some racism involved or whatever, although he wasn't explicitly racist. Yeah. Um, but somebody had made a thing where it's like, Oh, look, another person getting famous. I forgot to do a, a sweep of their yeah. social media. Yeah. And, uh, I guess Trump, Maybe he didn't know he was going to run for president and he forgot to do a sweep of his. I don't think Trump ever planned on being president whatsoever. Until he realized that he could probably win. Then he's like, ah, I'll yeah. run. I don't I don't think when he started running, he ever planned on yeah. being president. I think it was a marketing ploy for for himself. And I think it, it once it took off and so many people actually liked it. It's an even better marketing ploy. He, he was like, <laughs> because, oh, OK, well, I can actually go with this. But I, I don't know. In my, you know, my personal opinion is that he never planned on being president when he tried to run. I think he was trying to boost his brand right. at that point in time. Well, let me tell you something. Barack Obama would have never been able to afford a $14 million mansion in Martha's Vineyard had he not been president of the United States. Yeah. You know, yeah. His, his, uh, his Senate seat in Illinois, uh, a state Senate seat, right? Uh, yeah. No, 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 he was he was a, a senator. For yeah, Illinois. yeah, U.S. Yeah. Um, you know his uh, that wouldn't have probably well, it might have garnered him. Okay, know, I saw a story yesterday where Nancy Pelosi, when she first got into office, her net worth was like two or three million, something like that, and it's 150 million now. Oh, nice. So apparently, if you make 175 thousand dollars a year for 20 or 30 years that equals 150 million dollars. Yes. I guess. Or you're able to do a lot of insider trading and funnel money from different entities towards yourself over a long period of time. One of those two things. We don't know which yeah. one it is. So listen kids, this is what we're saying. Yeah. What you want to be when you grow up is a government official. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's how you become wealthy. Yeah. Look exactly. at Bernie Sanders, man. Yeah. Yeah, that look at guy him. has been in public office his whole life. Now he's a millionaire. Never worked a day in his life. 
Um, and he's a millionaire now. <laughs> we can't say well, he's never done a regular job. Let's no. say he's never done a job outside the public sector. He's never had a job. That, you know, the money from the book is the first time he ever received money that was not forcefully taken from other people against their will. Yeah, this is his first time ever receiving that kind of money, actual value money, where people paid him something for doing a service. Instead, he had to have the government hold a gun to people's head to get their money. And then he took that money and he made a salary off of it for but a long still, time. Technically, he's still a public servant. Yeah. Um, but I think that goes uh, to the wayside. You know, one thing I one thing I was thinking about the other day when it comes to like public servants is that in the Constitution, you know, our our delegates are, you know, our Congress members and president, um, they were paid a per diem when they were in session. And now all of a sudden they have, you know, salaries and benefits and everything. So I wonder when that changed. Yeah, I, I'm sure they voted some kind of change into law at some point in time where they can make a pretty decent amount of money. You know, originally they were only supposed to go, you know, they were supposed to go to Washington and vote on a couple issues. What, like a couple weeks out of the year? That's what they were supposed to do. Like once a year, they would travel to Washington, vote on some things for a couple weeks and then go back home and, and farm. You know, uh -huh. and, and now it's a it's a full time job, and they're they're trying to find every way possible that they can take your money and and uh, you know exert their tyrannical will over you at any point in time, and so now it's turned into this to this whole thing that it was never supposed to be whatsoever. But uh, let me talk about this story from Amazon. I've got two Amazon stories here. I've got a really cool story. What's your infatuation with Amazon? It's amazing. It's changed our lives. And it's Amazon amazing. It's it's a so if you're someone who's trying to promote capitalism and the free market and how the free market can make progress and make everyone's lives better, Amazon is a really great representation of that. And Jeff Bezos has been able to become the richest person in the world by creating a ton of value for people, for, for all of us, and for everyone who uses his product, and as we'll see in this story, for people who don't use his product. This is a good example of that. So this is just great representation of the free market and capitalism making everyone's lives better. So this story came from the Wall Street Journal. It says, retailers take on Amazon and one-day shipping during holidays. Retailers are promising to deliver more packages in just a day, an attractive feature for shopping procrastinators like Jeff Chin. We're going to talk about Jeff for a minute. Some people plan you see, ahead. Wait, do you see how they do this? They got to tell a story. They tell a story. Yeah, you got That's to. Just, yeah. We've got a couple stories in here this today. This is good. Yeah. This is from Jeff. Some people plan ahead, but some might not, like myself, said Mr. Chin, a physician in the San Francisco Bay Area. You think of someone to get a gift for last minute, and if it comes the next day, it's that much easier. The scramble between Thanksgiving and Christmas, already a hyper-competitive period for retailers, has gained a new twist as the nation's largest companies lure shoppers with faster delivery offers. Pushing the delivery needle is Amazon, which is spending $1.5 billion in the fourth quarter to expand its free one-day shipping program. Mm -mm. Mm. So good. Love that capitalism. <laughs> We're adding new transportation capacity and putting more selection, said Maria Renz, Amazon's vice president of global retail experience. Customers say they continue to look for quicker delivery options, even if they are planning ahead for the holidays. 
While many traditional retailers are struggling to keep pace, Walmart and Target have held their ground by increasing their delivery capabilities or getting shoppers to pick up online orders at their stores. Both chains reported strong third-quarter digital sales and increasing foot traffic. Amazon, which pioneered two-day shipping more than a decade ago, began in April to expand one-day shipping across the country and add more eligible items. The Seattle tech giant is betting that next-day shipping will boost its Prime memberships and strengthen the grip on e-commerce sales. So this, this goes on to say in this article that places like Walmart and Target and all of these other retailers are now, okay, first they had to match the two-day shipping, which Walmart ended up coming out and matching. The, mm -hmm. Walmart does free two-day shipping, and you don't even have to be a member. Uh, so you can go on their website and get free two-day shipping for tons of items off of their website. And now Amazon, since people match the two-day shipping, they decided that they're going to do free next-day shipping. <laughs> and so now all of the retailers are having to come out and offer free one-day shipping for in ten, everything. In 10 years, we're going to have instant shipping. <laughs> Just instant, yeah. As soon as you click buy, it'll <laughs> pop up in your house. Exactly. So And they'll set it up for you. This is one of the great things about the free market and we've said this for for walmart before actually where walmart saves the average american family twenty five hundred dollars a year and you even if you don't shop at walmart it saves you money because other people have to compete with them so they lower their prices so they can compete with walmart well, this is a way that amazon is making people's lives better because they come out with a two-day shipping thing and of course all the other retailers match it. You don't even have to be a member of Amazon to get free two-day shipping from other retailers now. Mm -hmm. And then they do one-day shipping, and now people are matching that. So you know, it's funny about mentioning Walmart and Target in this article is that uh, I have a Discover card, and I just got a notification to earn 5% cash back on all purchase items through Amazon, Walmart, and Target nice. with my Discover card <laughs> from uh uh, but basically from Black Friday till the end of December. Yeah. Huh. So that's a good deal. Yeah. They're offering 5% cash back, baby. <laughs> okay. So piggybacking on this story, I have this other one. Now here's a story. If you want a story, Ooh. we're going to, we're going to do one. This one's called, this is from the Atlantic. Ruthless quotas at Amazon are maiming employees. Really? Maiming yeah. them? Yeah. Okay. Now here's a story about Candace Dixon. When Candace Dixon showed up for her first day of work at an Amazon warehouse in Eastvale, California, she stepped into a wonder of automation, efficiency, and speed. Inside the sprawling four-story building in Southern California's Inland Empire, hundreds of squat orange robots whizzed across the floor carrying tall yellow racks. As a stower, her job was to stand in a spot on the floor, like hundreds of others in that million-square-foot warehouse, and fill an unending parade of merchandise racks. Another worker, known as a water spider, would bring her boxes upon boxes of goods. They have creative names for all of this stuff. Jars of protein powder, inflatable unicorn pool floats, laptops, makeup, Himalayan sea salt, Plastic toy cars. You didn't want to say vibrators. <laughs> I missed. I didn't see the uh, connection there. That's, I think that that was a good. A, yeah, and yeah. it says also Epstein didn't kill himself. Yep. She'd grab posters. She'd grab each <laughs> uh, posters of Epstein not killing yeah. himself. She'd grab each item out of a box, scan it, lift it onto the rack, and scan its new location. She'd use a stepladder to put things on the top of the rack. For heavy items, she remembers. 
the cases of pet food in particular. She'd have to squat down to hoist them in, then pop back up and grab the next item. As soon as she'd filled the rack, she'd press a button and one robot would zip it away while another robot would bring a new one to fill. The moment an Amazon customer clicked, place your order, a robot would haul one of those racks to a picker who would grab the right item for the order and send it on a series of long conveyors to a packer who would stuff it in one of those familiar smiling cardboard boxes. The clock was always ticking on Amazon's promised delivery time. <laughs> Dixon had to scan a new item every 11 seconds to hit her quota, she said, and Amazon always knew when she didn't. Dixon scam rate, more than 300 items an hour, thousands of individual products a day, was being tracked constantly, the data flowing to managers in real time, then crunched by a proprietary software system called Adapt. She knew, like thousands of other workers there, that if she didn't hit her target speed, she would be written up, and if she didn't improve, she would eventually be fired. Amazon's cutting-edge technology, unrelenting surveillance, and constant disciplinary write-ups pushed the East Vale workers so hard that in the last holiday season they had a coveted target. They got a million packages out the door in 24 hours. But Dixon, 54, wasn't around for that. She started the job in April 2018, and within two months, or nearly 100,000 items, the lifting had destroyed her back. An Amazon-approved doctor said she had bulging discs and diagnosed her with back sprain, joint inflammation, and chronic pain, determining that her injuries were 100% due to her job. She could no longer work at Amazon. Today, she can barely climb stairs. Walking her dog, doing the dishes, getting out of her chair, everything is painful. According to her medical records, her condition is unlikely to improve. So, this holiday shopping season, as Amazon's ferocious speed is on full display, Dixon is at a standstill. She told Reveal in mid-October that her workers' compensation settlement was about to run out. She was struggling to land a new job and worried she'd lose her home. I'm too young to feel like I'm 90 years old, Dixon said, sitting in the living room of her Corona, California home, which was decorated with inspirational sayings, like you never know how strong you are until being strong is the only choice you have. She says, I don't even know how I'm going to make it in a couple months. Now an investigation by Reveal from the Center for Investigative Reporting has found that the company's obsession with speed has turned its warehouses into injury mills. Injury mills. Injury mills. Oh, okay. Reveal amassed internal injury records from 23 of the company's 110 fulfillment centers nationwide. Taken together, the rate of serious injuries for those facilities was more than double the national average for the warehousing industry. 9.6 serious injuries per 100 full-time workers in 2018, compared with the industry average that year of four. While a handful of centers were at or below the industry average, Reveal found that some centers, such as the Eastvale Warehouse, were especially dangerous. Dixon's was one of 422 injuries recorded there last year. Its rate of serious injuries, by the way, a serious injury is categorized, this is serious, of those requiring job restrictions or days off work, was more than four times the industry average. Okay, so that's the story. That's now, a sad story. That's a sad story. It's a sad story for Dixon. I, I, feel, I feel bad for her. And... So you have to first what I what I first ask when I read a story like this is what's the point they're trying to get across mm -hmm. right now? So 
I think it's pretty obvious. Uh, Amazon is terrible. They're terrible, terrible slave drivers, and the pursuit of profit under capitalism disregards the well-being of the people who actually have to work, and it is going to hurt everyone in the pursuit of more and more money for the evil Jeff Bezos. That is the story <laughs> that, that they're trying to show, and they tell it with a a story that is actually sad, That that is that's that's terrible. That and she's gripping. Got those injuries. I mean, there's all kinds of great ad- adjectives. Yeah, great, writing, yeah. great writing. Good writing. For sure, from the Atlantic. The issue I would have is it was her job to get these boxes and put them up on shelves, and that was part of the job. That's what the job is. So, for instance, I used to do work on houses all the time, and I would hang drywall. Now, would you read the same story about a drywall worker who comp- who complained because they had to constantly lift boards of drywall and put them on the walls and screw them, and then another board had to be lifted up and put on the walls? Up to 150 boards per house had to be put on the walls in just a span of two or three days. No, you'd be like, you're hanging drywall, dude. That's it's the a, job you the signed job. up for. Yeah. That's tough. That is the job, and yes, it hurts. Because your job is lifting heavy items up and putting them on things. That's your job. So while I feel bad that this injured her, I don't know what what the alternative is to a job that requires people to lift up heavy things and put them on the shelf. I don't know what what solution they're looking for here. I would also like to know, well, there's a couple things throughout this article that stood out to me. One... Um, she didn't have to like carry boxes anywhere. Robots did that for her, yeah. which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. So imagine, you know, a warehouse where you didn't have robots that were coming to your aid to carry stuff oh, and think, put them in certain locations. Thank you, Jeff, for the robots. Yeah. The second thing that stood out to me was her, her uh, workers' compensation settlement. Uh, if, if a doctor said that your injuries were due to 100% due to your work, then there's no reason why I don't think you 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 would have a workers' compensation settlement that wouldn't, um, you know, actually allocate enough funds for you to be able to survive while your injuries are taken care of. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um. The second thing, or the third thing that popped out to me in this article was what you had mentioned, which is why is she doing? Why did she sign up to do this job anyway? Yeah. It's like, is that the only job that she could get? And I want to know, was she actually following protocols for heavy items? Because most warehouses, with when you have you know heavy heavy items, anything usually above forty or fifty pounds, it's a team lift. Yeah, you know, it even says it on the box. Yeah, team lift, and everyone knows you're supposed to lift with your back. Right. No. <laughs> what was she? I mean, you know, was she using proper techniques? Yeah. Was she using the the proper, was she following protocol or the reason why she didn't get a very good workers' compensation package was because she wasn't following proper protocol. They don't mention any of that in this article. You know, the other thing that stood out to me was they have this rate of serious injury. Now, when I think serious injury, it's literally, this is categorized as serious injury. And when you think about that, I'm like, okay, they broke bones, they... You know, lost a hand. They lost a, a hand, you know, a finger got cut off or they broke their back, literally. A serious injury is categorized as an injury that can cause you to miss work. It, and that's the serious injury. 
it could be anything at that point in time. Like now sick, she, like now, if you're sick. Now she's got bulging discs and things like that, and that caused her to miss work. But to me, that's a really loose categorization of what a serious injury is. Because what if you're hiring, like, what if when you're, most of your people ended up being over the age of 50 and they were in worse shape or something. And so they, the job made them miss more work because they, their back gave out more often. And then you had a higher rate of serious injury than other places do. It's just a really loose term to throw around. Oh, they had twice as many serious injuries. Well, what if they're also a lot better at letting people off work when they are sore or when their back is hurting? And so since a serious injury is something that's categorized as something that causes you to miss work, then their rate of serious injury is higher. And maybe other places just literally don't let people off work when they're hurting. They just fire them or something like that. And so their serious injury rate is lower. Yeah. It's just a it's it's not a great measurement for for what this is, but I still stand by my original analogy is that you would not go up to someone who was hanging drywall in a house and tell a story about how their back was hurting and then somehow cause it like blame it on the contractor and be like, uh, that's a tough job. That's a job where you're lifting heavy things all day. Yeah. Your back, you hurt your back. Like that's part of having a job where you lift heavy things all day. Another good you know? example would be a coal miner. Yeah. That's like, well, don't be a coal miner yeah, if you I mean, don't want to, you know, crouch down in four foot tall ceilings all day long. Yeah. You know, it's like you, we act like no one you like Miss Dixon here, which I, I feel bad for her. Like back injuries are no joke and they are yeah. very um, it's uh, it, is it incapitating because it's not decapitating. It's, <laughs> in a, inca it's inca incapacitated. Incapacitating. Yeah. Yes. So, like so it's very. um debilitating yeah you know that your your back is out that affects your entire life like it's hard to walk and you know it's hard your back supports a lot of things yeah it does um and so uh it, it supports the entire burden you carry on your shoulders your, and your cross that you bear every single day just so everyone knows like i'm coming at this from the standpoint of i have a herniated disc i have a degenerated degenerated disc in my back um, I've got my tailbone is in four pieces. I shattered it a few years back. Um, I also have bone spurs throughout several of my vertebrae. I'm not sitting here acting like I don't know what it's like to have bad back pain. Because, you did a workout with me one time in Vegas. Yeah. Uh, we were there for the, for the WSOP. That was back in May. That was a good time. Yeah. Um, and I had Nate do a workout with me and I didn't realize how bad your back was. Yeah. It's not if good. I would have known, I wouldn't have had you do... I had him do some weighted squats with me. And if I would have known, I would have never had you do that because you couldn't walk for about a month after that. Yeah, I was, I, we literally, I lifted one thing with Charlie. I felt it <laughs> pop in my back and I was almost to, I was almost to the point where I was just going to ride a scooter around yeah. the hotel because the WSOP tournament had, I mean, it was massive. There were 26,000 people in the mm -hmm. tournament. It was really big and I could barely, barely walk around. So all that goes to say, I'm not just talking from a standpoint of, I have no idea what it's like to have a bad back uh, because I did hang drywall for, for a really long time. I did flip houses for a long time. I grew up on a farm, you know, uh, my, I have a bad back, but 
that's part of doing a job that requires manual labor. Unfortunately, there is no cure for the bad back yet. And that, you know, once again, it's not to uh, minimize what this woman is going through because it's terrible. But, you know, a hundred years ago, people would just um, be laughing about this being a terrible story of working. And we've really made a lot of progress. Like Charlie said, we've got robots around in that in, in that Amazon warehouse that are helping with a lot of the work that people are having to do. Um, people literally used to have to break their backs and they would die by the age of 60 because of all the hard work and the you know minimal medical technology that we had. I mean, we are a lot better off right now than we used to be. You know, when, when you look back at what our grandparents had to go through, for sure. So if this is like, if this is the bad story from people having to work, uh, and this is like a, this is a, this is a story right here about the, the hardships of people. While I'm not trying to minimize what she's going through, we have to also have a sense of proportion and appreciate the fact that we've made it to the point in society where this is a bad story. That, you know, and, that's good. And that's kind of what I was getting at where I was saying, like, look, I feel bad for her uh, because of the bad back. Like, I don't want anybody to have a bad back. But look, in, you know, five years, Amazon will come up with a robot that will do that sorting for her and that job won't exist. And, yeah. and the second thing is, is like, don't sign up for a job that uses your back all day long. Uh, well, really, it should be your legs if you're lifting properly. Um, but if you happen to to get, um, uh, if you happen to use improper form and you don't have a strong back, don't sign up for a job that requires a strong back. There are plenty of other jobs that you can do uh, yeah. at all kinds of places that don't require you to to do that and make similar money. I mean, there's probably, I don't know, Corona, California, but there's probably, I would say, at least a hundred jobs in around where. Yeah. She could be a server or something where she doesn't have to uh, be in that position to use her back like that. Um, so if you don't have a strong back, don't sign up for it. Yeah. So there you go. Well, we have time for one more quickly. Yeah. Uh, this is coming from the Baltimore Sun. A judge. Is this where you wanted to go next? Yes. Yes. Okay. So from the Baltimore Sun, a judge exonerates three men in 1983 Georgetown Jacket School killing. Uh, another good story here. So Sarah Chestnut bought her son a gift in November of 1983 of a popular Georgetown University starter jacket, one that would become evidence to convict and imprison the teen and two other boys for murder. Did you ever have a starter jacket? Um, no. I had a Bulls. I had a Bulls starter but jacket I guess, back you know, in the I 90s. Do, yeah, that's right. I still have my Bulls jacket now that I think about it. It's, I don't. It's in my closet still. I think I had a Dolphins one, too, even though I was never a Dolphins fan. <laughs> My mom bought it for me for Christmas one time. I was like, oh, I'm not a big Dolphins fan, but cool. Uh, anyway. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> um, good thing all that stuff got burned. Did you say, okay, Boomer, when she got it for you? <laughs> yeah, that's what I, was, yeah. I opened the Christmas present instead of saying things. I was like, okay, Boomer. <laughs> all right, so... Uh, I was eight. 36 <laughs> years later, on Monday, the 75-year-old mother walked in, walked with some help across the street to see her son set free and his name cleared. Hey, Mama, said Alfred, Alfred Chestnut, wrapping her in a hug outside Baltimore, Baltimore Circuit Court. 
My mama right here, he told the crowd, this is what she's been holding on to forever to see her son come home. Chestnut and co-defendants Ransom, Watkins, and Andrew Stewart were formally exonerated Monday for the notorious 1983 murder of a junior high school student over a Georgetown basketball jacket. Police and prosecutors had claimed the Georgetown jacket found in Chestnut's closet belonged to the victim. Now they acknowledged the jacket had, in fact, come from his mother. On this, 30, on this month, 36 years ago, DeWitt Duckett, a ninth grader at Harlem Park Junior High School, was shot in his neck inside the West Baltimore School. Police said the 14-year-old boy was jumped by three youths for his blue Georgetown jacket. He struggled down the hallway and collapsed in the cafeteria. School officials called his death the first homicide in a Baltimore public school, and his killing touched off a firestorm of debate over school safety. Um, Police. Police charged 16-year-olds Chestnut Chestnut Watkins and Stewart Jr. with his murder. The three were convicted on the testimony of four Harlem Park students who identified them. A judge sentenced the three teens to life in prison. Baltimore State's attorney Marilyn Mosby said Monday the detective and prosecutor in 1983 coached and coerced the testimony of the four students. Her prosecutors appeared Monday afternoon in the Baltimore Circuit Court to ask a judge to throw out the three convictions. Quote, present day, all four of those witnesses have recanted. Assistant State's attorney uh, Lauren Lipscomb told the judge there's evidence of coerced pretrial preparation. One former student told the state that they were told Quote, get with the program. Um, so this is a, a really sad story. And this is where we have severe distrust for the for the uh, for the state. Let's yeah. say. Yeah. They they spent 36 years in prison for murder and 36 and, years. And now they've been exonerated. And that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. And uh, there's, you know, I haven't pulled the quote, but I think we all kind of know that quote from Benjamin Franklin that it would better better a thousand guilty men were free than one innocent were locked up or imprisoned or wrongly, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's one of the things that was kind of a hallmark of our criminal justice system that, that made America so great and so special was the entire innocent until proven guilty, the fact that we we gave so many rights to people that were accused of crimes, and that we tried everything that we could to make sure that innocent people would never be imprisoned. And sadly, it still happens. People still get wrongly put in prison. And I know we're not going to have a lot of time because uh, Charlie's got a conference call in like six minutes, but I, I know that... Um, we all know that innocent people go to prison. And we've seen people who have actually been uh, killed, like have gotten the death penalty and have been executed, who were later exonerated after DNA evidence proves something else. In fact, there's a case right now in Tennessee. Yeah, that's one we uh, actually, it's in this list yeah, right it's now. Been in, yeah, it's been so, in here for a while. So um, while we won't be able to get into the death penalty discussion that deep today, the very fact that we don't trust the government that we know the government messes up everything that it tries to do that there is corruption inside of the government all the time that includes prosecutors because prosecutors uh, last time i checked are also human beings and so are investigators and so are judges and so are all the people on the jury they're all human beings 
and there is always corruption and there is always room for error. And we have to ask ourselves if we're okay with people being executed if there's a chance that they were wrongly convicted. And uh, that's, that's something that I just can't get behind. I, I can't do it. Mm-mm. Now, I understand. I agree. If, you know, knowing, you know, if you were God and you knew that someone, you knew, it, there was no question, you knew for a fact, then I can name any number of things that I would be okay with being done to the guilty party. If they, you know, murdered someone, murdered a child, or serial killer, they, anything like that. I get it. I absolutely get it. But you don't ever know for sure. We've even seen from confessions now, if you watch the show Confession Tapes, the confession tapes on Netflix, that people are coerced into confessions all the time. Well, that's what's, that's what's actually sick about this case. Yeah. Is that the uh, original prosecutors actually coached yeah. the four students into into uh given the testimony that they gave the witnesses which in my opinion is just disgusting yeah and what happens to those people you know what what happens to the ones that actually you know coached the witnesses to give a false testimony um my god it's it's just gross it is it's so gross and after watching you know my wife and i have been on a big true crime spree (laughs) Lately, yeah, we've been watching every true crime documentary that there is. Uh, so, so we've been we've been paying attention to those a lot lately. And what we found is that you don't ever really know for sure. And there are people who are found guilty where you're like, "Are you kidding me? There was no reasonable doubt that what you're that's what you're saying that there was no reasonable doubt whatsoever that that person was guilty," and they still end up getting found found guilty in some in some kind of way. And we talked about that that instance with the the staircase. I agree that guy did it. I agree. Did they have enough to convict him of first degree murder? No, I don't think they did. Well, at, I'm not at sh- all. I'm not sure if he did it, but it seems like he did it. Yeah. Well, I agree that he probably did it. Yes. I do not understand how he was found guilty at, no. at all. I I do not. They were able to bring things into that trial that had Nothing to do with that. Like the whole instance of the person who died in Germany, uh, his friend who died in Germany, who also fell down the stairs. I get it. That's suspicious. But he was not found guilty of committing that crime. He was not a person of interest. That was not ruled a murder. They should not have been having to prove his innocence on some random crime or some random death that happened in Germany. Right. They were left trying to prove his innocence during a trial for something else. That should never have been allowed in, into the trial whatsoever. And the judge himself said that at the end of that documentary, that if they were to retry it today, he would not allow the story of the murder that happened in Germany Yeah, because it was prejudicial to the, to the jury. So anyway, all that goes to say, the government's not perfect. There's corruption all the time. You're telling me that people in labs aren't uh, incentivized to get people convicted ever? Uh, well, that- well, and the prosecutors are... Their incentive is to have a high prosecution rate. Yeah. Their their victory rate has to be high. Yeah. And so that helps them get reelected and reappointed and things like that. It's not about actually finding the truth. You know, there's a great movie called Fracture where the guy did it. Yeah. You know, but in the courtroom, he said, um, you know, he, he I guess, didn't follow a certain uh, proceeding. Um, but he's like, isn't 
it's the truth. Like, isn't that the point to get to the truth? Yeah. Um, but it's not, it's the point is to, to win cases. Um, and that's the, that's a wrong incentive for prosecutors. Um, and that's why you have things like this where they coerce people into giving false testimony, which convicts people and they spend 36 years in prison. And it's, Disgusting. Or you have a situation like in the confession tapes where the uh, investigator that found the this blood in a, in a vehicle was later found guilty of tampering and planting that evidence. And he's the person who came forward and said, hey, I got DNA evidence inside this car from this person. Right. Well, unfortunately for him, they actually found the people who killed that person because their car was literally covered in the blood. And he later was sent to prison for planting evidence because they needed to find something and convict these people. They needed that evidence to get that, that first degree murder conviction through. And he ended up going to prison. Uh, the investigator did for playing and just the very fact that that exists, that that is a possibility. You have to severely question the death penalty. At least, uh, the more and more you see these people exonerated on DNA evidence, things like that. We don't really know for sure. And you don't know when you're dealing with a corrupt government or a murderer, it's sometimes difficult to tell the difference. Mm -hmm. So you, you just, you have to be careful how much power you give them. But uh, guys, that's all we got for today. Unless you got something else to say on that. Nope. That's okay. It. All right. Go follow us on Instagram at good morning, Liberty. Look us up on Twitter, good AM Liberty and Facebook. Good morning, Liberty. Go to our website, BernieLies.com. If you want to read some great articles on politics and economics, I might do a short episode tomorrow. Check back on your podcast app. See if you can find something. Uh, I might be putting out an episode and we'll talk about Thanksgiving a little bit and how we should be thankful for Liberty this year. Yeah, that's right. So hope you guys have a good Thanksgiving week. Uh, kiss and hug your loved ones and uh, do something nice for somebody. You know, I used to say that on my, my daily live feed uh, when I used to go live on Facebook every morning is do something nice for someone else. That's our obligation, I believe, as human beings to have that charity uh, for each other, not to be coerced by the government to do yeah. it through taxation, uh, but do something nice for someone else today, uh, whatever that means for you. So if you guys do all of that, as I mentioned, go to our shop, uh, support the show, leave us a rating and review on Facebook, on your favorite podcasting app. If you guys do all that, Nate might be back again tomorrow, but we'll be back uh, Tuesday next week for sure. I'm out Monday as well. Uh, we'll be back Tuesday together to do another live show. We hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.